0: All right, so John chapter 20 is where we're going to start from. Please stand with me if you're able to. We're going to start reading from John chapter 20 at verse 1. John chapter 20, starting at verse 1. It says, now on the first day of the week... So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths. But folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Verse 10. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Please pray with me. Father in heaven. Thank you for your holy word. Thank you for salvation through Jesus your only begotten Son, our Savior, our Messiah, our Lord. Thank you for this proof that we have, the eyewitness testimony. As John writes us in his book, he saw the empty tomb. And Lord, as we see into and we peek into these scriptures and examine and search the scriptures, help us, Lord, open up our understanding. Help us not just to read these things, but to be believers in the resurrection. We need your help to do so, Lord. Would empower us, God. And Lord, last but not least, we ask that you would be the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Comfort each of us today, Lord. Oh, each of us is going through so many things. This is a time of year for some of us that we gather with friends and family. We go to work and we're discussing these things with others. Some attack. The cross of Christ, the blood of Jesus, and the resurrection, and the way, the fact that He's the only way to get to heaven, only way to pay for our sins. We ask that you would please help us to stand firm on your word of truth and comfort our hearts, Lord. Open up our understanding, for we ask in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You guys could have a seat if you would, please. So notice this as we open up, and today, by the way, as we call Resurrection Sunday, what day of the week did Jesus rise from the dead? Look at verse 1. First day of the week. What what day do we call that in English? Sunday. In Espanol? Domingo, right? So on Sunday, the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the grave. I want to touch upon that i want to talk to you a little bit about new beginnings so in the bible the number seven think of how many days in a week how many days are in a week seven some consider the the number seven as the number of completion a complete week seven days the number of completion and the eighth day would be the beginning of a new week And so praise God that even the day that he rose from the grave, it signifies not just a new week, but let me say a new beginning, a new hope, a new life through Jesus Christ that only he can give to you and me and for the world. And Jesus not only gives us a new beginning, gave us a new way, a new hope, and a new life, but he started something called the new covenant. He created a new covenant. The way whereby which you and I can approach heaven. You and I approach heaven only through Jesus Christ. Amen? Only through His shed blood. It's not by your works that you can do. It's only the works that He did. Remember as we looked at on Good Friday? He declared from the cross, it is what? Finished all the work to pay for your sins had been done at the cross when he died. He didn't die and then go and suffer in the fires of hell to continue to pay for the work for your sins. Very important to know. He died on the cross. He said, it is finished. It's finished. So because the resurrection happened on Sunday, the first day of the week, this is why Christians publicly gather on domingo, on Sunday. Whereas they came from the Jewish faith. What day of the week do they gather? Saturday. Saturday. In Espanol, you, you say what? Sabado. Sabado. It's in the language. Sabbath. You can gather as Christians every day of the week, but we want to publicly gather what the Bible says on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, Domingo. We gather to celebrate and commemorate the resurrection. We remember the cross. He died traditionally. We call him Good Friday. But, oh, it didn't stay there, did it? No, it didn't. He died on a Friday. They had to bury him because Shabbat or Sabbath was about to happen. When does Sabbath start? Friday when? Friday at sundown. So they had to hurry. They want to get the bodies off the cross. Bury them. And then now we see the first day of the week. Let's pick back up on our story. Verse 1. First day of the week. Who's going to the tomb early? Mary Magdalene. She goes to the tomb, and she sees that the tomb is empty. So she runs, she goes to get, basically, she's going to tell Simon Peter, as well as John. By the way, it says in verse 2, the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Who is that? John. John. Who's the guy that wrote this book? John! John. (laughs) Right. It's like you're writing about yourself. Oh, the one that Jesus loved. Simon Peter's there, but the one... Whom he loved. <laughs> you got to love that, right? The other disciple whom Jesus loved. Not Peter, but, you know, come on. <laughs> Let's get real. <laughs> Maybe you would write that if you wrote the book. So they, they go, and they're checking it out. And this is my encouragement to you, that you would look into the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's a whole score of people, scholars, saints, scientists, that have looked into the resurrection. They try to discredit it but I'll give you a hint. You can't, okay? You can't discredit it. And those that have looked into it, scholars, saints, believer, non-believer, scientists, guess what many of them have ended up becoming? Believers, believers, believe it or not. That's amazing. And so we got to look into this thing. So they looked and they saw, you see at least in the story here from John's account, Mary Magdalene, Peter and John, they go to the tomb, they find us empty. They, as it says here, quote, saw the linen cloth lying there. But what about the body? The body was gone. By the way, push pause on that. Quick thought to the side. If you're going to go and steal a dead body, that's all like wrapped up. Are you going to go, oh, let's unwrap it first. Let's get it all in its gooey goodness and with all the blood and everything. Are you going to do that? It logically doesn't even make sense. So they saw the linen cloths lying there. You would, If you're going to steal a dead body, you're not going to unwrap the dead body. You're going to want to quickly just get it and go, right? Which is gross. I mean, don't go steal a dead body. I'm not giving you a thought to do. So you would go and quickly take the whole body. You wouldn't unwrap it. So it's just a thought as we study the scriptures. So notice verse 9. It says they did not know the scripture. I'm going to put this on display that he must rise again from the dead. Here's what it says in Psalm 16, verse 9. And it's on the display here. Verse 9 says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also rests in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Your Holy One. Notice the, capital, the capitalization of the letters. Who is that speaking of? Jesus. So his body wouldn't see corruption. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's Psalm 16 verses 9 through 11. Let's continue on the story. Let's pick up at verse 11. Disciples went away again to their own homes. And then verse 11 says, But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels. to be the gardener <laughs> said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. She thought Jesus was the gardener. <laughs> Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Verse 18 says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. All right, so Mary Magdalene now, she's there. Now, if you put yourself into the picture, into the story, what day of the week do we believe that Jesus died on the cross? Friday. Friday. Was Mary Magdalene there to see Christ getting crucified? yes so imagine put yourself into the story mary magdalene what was her story how did jesus heal her rescue her yes yeah, she was demon possessed <laughs> right imagine that and then would you you know he, that person that's been forgiven much also what loves much so she would be with the entourage as they went around they did the jesus tour so to speak ministering from up north in Galilee all the way to Jerusalem. And they kept going through that. And then they see or she sees that Christ is getting crucified. The one that rescued her. It was very personal, wasn't it, for her? She saw him die. They knew and she saw that they would take his body off the cross and then put it into a tomb. So she knew. Put yourself in the story. She did not know yet of a resurrection. She didn't know. She just knew her friend, the one that she believed is also Messiah, the one that rescued her and delivered her from demon possession. How many demons? Seven. Seven. It's like crazy to think of, right? But this one now that did nothing but love people and heal them, cleanse lepers, raise people, some of them from the dead, Healed scores of people, fed multitudes, thousands of people, did all these miracles, but now he's dead. And so put yourself into the picture and imagine yourself in that story. Do you think you'd be crying? Yes. Now that was Friday. Do you think between Friday and early Sunday morning you'd be getting much sleep? Probably not. I don't know about you, but if you don't sleep much and you've been crying a lot for a couple of days and your emotions are just a mess. Maybe like crying is like slobber all over your face. Anybody ever been there? You don't know what's going on, right? Especially if you're not getting much sleep. So no wonder why when Jesus appears to her, she doesn't recognize him. Maybe her eyes are just puffy and messed up too and maybe she didn't really look at him much. And notice this in the story as he's talking with her verse 16 jesus says to her mary there's an exclamation point as it's translated into english i don't think it's mary like a demanding one come on yeah i'd imagine it'd be something more of an endearing type of voice that she understood that she heard before maybe something like mary And then she heard that intonation of the voice. It's like, wait a second, that's not a gardener. (gasps) It's Jesus. And she's doing what you probably would do to, ah, (laughs) come here, give me a hug. And he says in verse 17, do not cling to me. So I wasn't imagining that Jesus was yelling at her, Mary, come on, get out of here. Forget about it, like how we do in the East Coast. I don't think it was like that. I think it was more endearing. Mary. And then all of a sudden she understood, ah, that's the one who healed me. But wait a second, weren't you dead? I saw them take your body down, lifeless, limp. I saw them put your body in the tomb. And now, on the first day of the week, early, I come. So Jesus tells her to now what? Go tell the disciples that she saw him. And so she goes. Let's continue on the story. Verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, what day is it? Sunday, Domingo. That same Sunday, that same, what we call in the Bible, the Lord's Day, the day that we gather here too. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, Sunday, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, notice it says, he did what? He breathed on them. I wish there was a video of that. I wonder if like, Colorful air came out of his mouth. I don't think so. <laughs> I think if directors did that today, he'd probably be like, he'd be like purple or something coming out. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So we're told it's the same day at evening. Again, what day of the week is that? Sunday. It's still Resurrection Sunday. And we're told also, quote, the doors were shut. Why? It says, for fear of the Jews. And then what? Jesus came and stood in the midst. So notice post-resurrection for Jesus, he can just appear. By the way, we know that Jesus is God, right? God before he became man, not man who worked his way up to become God. That's extremely important. The genesis or beginning of Jesus is that he's God from the beginning. And he was also the one, according to scripture, you'll find this in Colossians chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, John chapter 1. The beginnings of those books and the chapters declare that Jesus was what we call the agent of creation. He was involved in all creation. So who created the angels? You can say God, specifically, according to the Bible, Jesus. Even the fallen angels, right? Think about that. Before they fell. He created them and they fell. Who created the, not just angels, but the animals? Well here's a, an animal lover. Dog, lover. we have a hamster at <laughs> home. Anybody, we only have a couple animal lovers? Okay, there's a, there's a bunch. So who created the animals? Jesus. Who created the planets? Jesus, and all the galaxies, the stars, not just the angels, not just the animals, the planets, all people. Who created all people? Jesus. Who created you? Jesus. And so he's God. And he's everywhere. We, we know, according to scripture, God is everywhere. But what we find here post-resurrection is that even behind closed locked doors, Jesus can, bam, just like that, appear. And this is what we find in the story. Come on, give me a break. How do you know that? Well, an eyewitness was there. Who was that? John, who wrote this book. That's extremely important. He was an eyewitness. He was also the only apostle who saw Jesus being crucified on the cross. And he gives us that testimony. That's the previous chapter. And then this chapter, chapter 20, he gives us his testimony that Jesus just appeared within the locked room. The doors were shut. We're told so. John was there, and he writes this here in his book. It's important because he tells us as a first-hand account and as an eyewitness of what Jesus can and did do. And by the way, is Jesus here right now? Yes. Within born-again Christians, Christ Jesus lives within us. That's not just a sentimental thought. That's actual doctrinal reality. In this book that John wrote, we learn that all three, Heavenly Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three being God, come to live and reside, abide within you as a born-again Christian. So God is everywhere. He's within the life, the heart of the born-again Christian, but he's not living within all people, is he? So my hope and prayer, as I believe is his, is that each of you would be believers in Christ Jesus as the one who died on the cross for your sins and also rose from the grave. And then Jesus is not just everywhere except within your heart, but that he would also be living within you. So you need to believe and receive. This is why John wrote this book. Notice, though, they had to first believe in the resurrected Savior Jesus. Jesus appears to them. You need to first believe in the resurrected Jesus. So do you believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead? It's a personal question. I can't convince you. I can't. It doesn't matter how many PowerPoint slides I might do, how great my oratory is, because it's not. <laughs> There's a lot of way better teachers. But nobody can teach or preach better than the Holy Spirit himself. Amen? And it's a work that God has to do within your heart. And we hope and pray each and every one of you, because I don't know where each of you are at, that Jesus, yes, can appear behind walls. Jesus, yes, can't, or I say, not appear behind walls, but he can come into a closed, locked room. But is Jesus living within your heart? Mm-hmm. That each and every one of us can be those believers. My hope and prayer is that you would be a believer, that you would receive eternal salvation. And then even as we're looking at this new week, this new hope, this new beginning that Jesus gave as a new day is approaching, the new covenant, even on this first day of the week, remember the number eight? number eight is a new beginning. It's a new week, a new hope, that you would have a new beginning with Jesus. By the way, I want to refer to this here. Let me just pull this back. Some of you guys know what this is called. What is this whole thing? You might not be able to see this, you guys, on video. What is this whole thing laid out in front of us? What is this called? The tabernacle. The tabernacle. Oh. Now, why <laughs> Why are you pointing to this, Drew? Aren't we talking about Resurrection Sunday? Yes, we are. But when you study in Judaism on the holiest day of the calendar year, there's a day that's called the Day of Atonement. and It's also called Yom Yom Kippur. How many of you guys know here in New York City it's a big thing? Right? It is, it's a huge thing. And so on Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement, the biggest thing in Judaism is Leviticus chapter 16, the high priest would be sent into a place where it contained this box. What do you call this box? The Ark of the Covenant. Excuse me, sometimes I talk so much i got to get some water. So the Ark of the Covenant would be in a place, uh, what do you call that place? Thank you, in the Holy of Holies. The only furniture item that would be in the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies would contain, at times, the presence of God. God didn't live there. But he told Moses, as he's describing in Exodus 25, this thing called the Ark of the Covenant, he describes this piece, what would it be called, that was placed on top of the Ark. The mercy seat. The mercy seat, you wouldn't sit on it. I remember teaching this in Baba College, like, what is the mercy seat? Like, where the, the place where the priest would sit? <laughs> no, you wouldn't sit on it. Yes, and there were two cherubim that were hammered in. This was all one piece, made out of solid gold. So it sat on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And this was a big picture or illustration of who or what? Of Jesus Christ. So on that day, on Yom Kippur, the high priest would go into this place called the Holy of Holies. And he would first sacrifice for his own sins, as well as the sins of his family, the other priests. He would bring in blood and he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat on the east side. I have it situated here because that way is pretty much east. So on this side, and also seven times on the ground in front of the ark. And then he'd come out. But what would happen if that high priest had any sin? Bam! He'd just die, right? You kidding me? <laughs> if he had sin? Is that strict with God? Yes. So that high priest, who was he a picture of? Of Jesus. And what does the book of Hebrews declare Jesus as? Our great high priest. He's referring us to this thing called the tabernacle and Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. So the first time the high priest comes out, he now is showing himself as visibly alive. He ain't dead. He's physically okay. And the people would be commanded. This is why Jews today, even bad backslidden Jews that don't observe Torah, they won't work. If they own a business, they'll make you a Gentile work on that day, but uh, I observe <laughs> they won't work. Why? Because they're commanded on Yom Kippur to not work. And to fast on that day. It's a day of affliction. And they're to watch and wait because on Yom Kippur, the high priest would sacrifice for his own sins, offer up the blood, and then come out. And the first time that people would see him come out, they would watch and eagerly wait. They wanted to make sure that he's what? Alive! (laughs) It's a picture of the first coming of Jesus Christ. Because now that high priest comes out of the Holy of Holies, which is a picture of heaven, so to speak, the place of the presence of God, he now shows himself visibly alive, physically okay. He's without sin, the high priest, and he's ready to sacrifice for who? For you, for the people. It's a picture of Jesus showing himself that, hey, I am here as a great high priest. I'm about to be the sin sacrifice also. So he would make a second sacrifice and he would take blood into the Holy of Holies and similar to before, he would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat on the east side one time, supposedly right index finger and the dip in the blood, sprinkle it one time on the east side of the mercy seat seven times on the ground in front. And now the people would anxiously wait for that high priest to come out. Why? Because he was now making sacrifice for their sins. It was very personal. And you think the people watching and waiting for the high priest to come out, do you think that they really cared that he'd come out alive? Yes. So what happened the second time if that priest had any sin as he went into sacrifice in the Holy of Holies. What happened to him? He'd be be dead, right? So think about that. That's a picture of Jesus, our great high priest, when he offered up not the blood of a lamb or a goat, but his own blood. He's our great high priest, but also final sin sacrifice offering up his own blood. And that second time the high priest came out of the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement and now becomes a wonderful picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because just like on Yom Kippur, when the high priest came out and you'd see he's physically okay, visibly, hey, that guy's alive. He'd probably come out. (laughs) Because if he had one sin, think about this. You go in there and you be think, I, I know, I'd be like, think holy thoughts, think holy thoughts, think holy thoughts. <laughs> Nobody talk to me. Think holy thoughts. You'd be memorizing scripture and going through Leviticus chapter 16 in your mind, probably quoting it out loud. Why? Because if you have one sin, think about that. Say you're like walking by and you see your, your pet dog and you're like, oh, I want to get rid of that dog. Oh, I just sinned. And then, <laughs> or oh, my, I can't believe my wife burned the meatloaf. For, oh, now I sinned. What would happen from that one sin? That high priest would, he would die. And history holds, this isn't in the Bible, but history holds they would tie a rope around his leg. I looked, it's not in the Bible. It's in history. Some of you guys looked, maybe. They would tie a rope around his leg. Why? Because if he dies in the Holy of Holies, who's going to go in to get him out? Like, okay, rock, paper, scissors. Oh, I lost. A <laughs> church turn. Marie, you go in. <laughs> so, some would say that's a weird anomaly because if that guy dies in there, you got to wait till next Yom Kippur a whole year to oh. go. That's crazy. Think of how much that guy'd be stinking. Okay. And so, on the fringe of the high priest's robe, we're sewn in what on the bottom? Bells. Bells. Pomegranate and a bell. Fruit and the bell. Why? Because as he you walk, you would want to hear ding, ding. So, it's very quiet. They wanted to hear that because what happens? Like, I haven't heard any jingling in 10 minutes, man. (laughs) Tug on that rope. It's dead weight. (laughs) So that's just the practical reality. So you would be anxiously watching, anticipating, and waiting to make sure when that high priest comes out the second time now, out of the place that's considered a picture of heaven. Why? Because it amounted to this. Did God accept the sacrificer and accept the sacrifice? If so, he's alive. I can get goosebumps. If you've got hair on your back, it's probably sticking up now. <laughs> so when Jesus shows himself now on the resurrection, it's a picture like in the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur when the high priest comes out of the Holy of Holies on that second time why because he's physically alive visibly okay so if you're wondering jesus why is it you you had to resurrect and show yourself and other times some of the gospels mention he's like i'm hungry they're probably like checking him out and who would be like me as he's showing you like the the scars in the side who would be like me like you'd want to touch it and <laughs> you know make sure he's okay <laughs> who's that i know i would be This is the Doubting Thomas passage too. right? I'd be like that too. But we would be watching and waiting. And Jesus actually shows in the gospel accounts that not only is he alive, but some of the passages mention that he's hungry. Hey, I'm hungry. You got any food? It's also a sign that he's not just alive, but he's okay because he's showing signs of hunger. Physically, he's there. It's not a matter of, wow, that's some really hard work I did on the cross. Anybody got some food, some water? Whew, I need a refreshment. He's showing that as proof that he's visibly alive and people touched his body post-resurrection. And it's also proof that he's okay. So Christian, what does this mean for your faith in who he says that he is? When the Bible is that bulletproof that nobody can dispute the Bible try to. You're going to die and the word of God stands forever. Amen? That's what it says, Isaiah 40 verse 8. The grass withers, that's us as people. The flower fades. That speaks of beauty. Gone here today, gone tomorrow. But the word of our God stands forever. Through all these centuries, people try to dispute the Bible, guess what happens? The word of God will proliferate and grow. Grow in your hearts and lives and through you to touch other people. So it was proof that the High priest, the sacrificer, and the blood, the sacrifice, was accepted by God. The fact that the high priest came out of the Holy of Holies. The fact that Jesus is now physically alive and visibly okay is proof that he, as a sacrificer, was accepted. And proof that the sacrifice, as he offered up his own self and his blood, was acceptable. For who? For you. As he paid for your sins and mine. Proof. It was accepted by God. Let's continue on. Verse 24. Now you might identify with this like I do. Here's Anybody here of Doubting Thomas? <laughs> Some of you guys have? Okay. Some of you guys have. This is the Doubting Thomas passage. You can't blame him because that's, that's how I would be. Again, who else would be like Doubting Thomas? Come on. Tell the truth i would be too verse 24 now thomas called the twin one of the 12 by the way the word or name thomas means twin i have a a brother-in-law named thomas and he was when he was born by the way he, he was born with a with a twin i think his twin sadly passed away but that's what his name is thomas it means twin one of the 12 was not with them when jesus came the other disciples therefore said to him we have seen the lord So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Again, who else would be like Thomas? I still, it's like I'd I'd hear your testimony, but I still would want to check it out. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you then he said to thomas reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side do not be unbelieving but believing and maybe the lord jesus christ is saying this to you do not be believing but believing and thomas answered and said to him notice what he says my lord and what else and my god did thomas understand jesus to be god yes Now I've heard someone say and try to excuse this as it was like what we do in America as an exclamation. My Lord and oh my God. This is not what he's saying. That's not. And that's really something that we might do here in America because that's an exclamatory thing. Within the more recent years that people would say this is not what Thomas is saying. He's calling Jesus his Lord and Jesus his God. One proof of that. Is that Thomas was saying this. Was Jesus physically there at the time Then Thomas was saying it? Yes. No. Was he physically there? No. But was Jesus there? Yes. And now he appears. He knew the conversation. Thomas knew that he wasn't physically there to hear or so he thought he wasn't there. And now he appears. He knew exactly what Thomas was saying right then. And then he tells him, Look at it again, verse 27. Reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. What did Thomas have to believe? Not just that Jesus died on the cross, not just that Jesus resurrected, but Jesus is God. Is that something that you have to believe to get eternal salvation? Yes. Yes, this is the chapter in the Bible After getting through 20 chapters, John will tell us at the end of this chapter in a couple verses of why he's writing this. It's so that you believe that Jesus is also God. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And let's finish up the chapter. This is the passage that refers to what I just mentioned. In verse 30... And truly, Jesus did many of the signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. I'm going to put this on display. It's the last two verses of John chapter 20. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, notice, the Son of God, notice, that believing you may have life in his name. So John wrote this book for these distinct reasons. So that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ. Christ means Messiah. As all of what we call today, the Old Testament, what Jews call the Tanakh, from Genesis to Malachi, 39 books. That you believe, as those scriptures point to who? To Messiah. That Jesus is Messiah. And then also you'd believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The Jews believed, and in this book, it's described that for Jesus to be the son of God, it's declaring that he's just like the father, that he is God. And in John chapter 10, 10 chapters before, when Jesus mentions, you're in my hand, you're in the father's hand, I and the father are one, what do they pick up? The Jews are around, picked up stones, Why? Because they were wanting to kill Jesus right then and there, to stone him to death. Why? Because him being a man, he declared himself to be God. They understood by him saying that he's one and the same with the Father, or what the scriptures declare in John's book especially, that he's a son of God. He's declaring that he's God. He's just like the Father. He's the Son. So John wrote this book that you would believe Jesus is Messiah, that Jesus is God, and by believing these things, you'll have what? It says life in his name. That by believing these things, you would have life in his name. So in closing, we're going to close here and pray. But my heart, my hope, my prayer is that each of you would believe Jesus is the one that died on the cross for your sins. That you would receive him. As a resurrected Savior. That you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That a whole Bible points to. That you believe that He's Son of God. And then live in that. Walk in that truth. But believe in these things. You will have life in His name. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand please. I'm going to close this with a word of prayer. I'm going to close this in prayer to finish up our service. This concludes our resurrection sunday service but if any of you wants to pray to receive jesus as your personal savior that you would know that after you die your sins are paid for by jesus you're not going to have to burn in the fires of hell and then on judgment day be thrown in the lake of fire all because of the fact of rejecting jesus as your savior for your sins if you want to pray for that then just come forward afterwards and we can talk and pray whether that's one or a bunch of people. I I wanna make sure that you're here today, that you understand, again, like John wrote in his book, that you would believe, he wrote his entire book, that you would believe Jesus is the Christ, he's the Messiah, that you believe Jesus is the son of God. And we're taught about the resurrection, you gotta believe in that too. And then what will you have? It says here, life in his name, not in any other name, The only name, the name above all names, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. We can have life in his name. New beginning, new hope, a new way in this new covenant time. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for what you show us in your word that you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, who's our Messiah, Son of God, our Savior. We know that he died on the cross and proof of this is this is one of the chapters that John being an eyewitness of not just the resurrected Jesus, but also the the or not just the crucified Christ, but the resurrected Jesus Christ as well. This is there, Lord, and he puts this into his book as he says that we would believe that you, Jesus, that you are Messiah, you are the son of God. And that believing we would have life in your name, we thank you for what you show us. But Father, we do ask that you would touch the hearts of those that might be listening right now. If they do not have you as Savior, Jesus, we pray they would believe, they'd receive you as Savior, they would turn away from their sins and following you, Lord, every day of their life. So help us, Lord. Help us to love one another. Help us to preach this message, whether it's like Mary Magdalene or Simon Peter or John. Help us to share these truths with the world that you would win souls, saving lives one at a time. Help us, Lord. Empower us, for we pray in the mighty name, the name above all names, in the name of Jesus, we do pray. And all God's people said, Amen.